This is Mana for Your Soul podcast, a podcast of the lead pastor of Tucker United Methodist Church in New Jersey, Reverend Jason Rios. We hope that today's words bless your life. So have you ever felt like you messed up something so badly that you could never get it straightened out? Somebody are laughing already. Or perhaps you did something so hurtful that you felt you could not be forgiving for your wrong. You know, that might, may have been the way that Peter felt after denying Jesus three times the night our Lord was arrested and put on trial. He felt like there was no way to change the fact that he denied being a disciple of Jesus. He felt that there was no forgiveness, no second chance, no opportunity for redemption. Maybe you ask yourself, could Peter be forgiven? Could Peter be a trustful disciple again? You know, oftentimes the world and culture at large do not encourage us to be very generous with our second chances. Our culture is not very forgiving. We like to shine the spotlight on two things, on success and on failure. And we think that if someone wrongs us, that person maybe can be forgiven over time, but the trust will not be the same. Let me share with you a story. Thomas A. Edison was working on a crazy contraction called a light bulb. And it took a whole team of men 24 hours straight to put just one light bulb together. The story goes that when Edison was finished with one light bulb, he gave it to a young boy helper who nervously carried it up the stairs. Step by step, he cautiously watched his hands. Obviously frightened of dropping such a priceless piece of work. And you probably guess what happened by now, right? When he reached the top of the stairs, the poor young fellow dropped the bolt. And it took the entire team of men 24 more hours to make another bolt. Finally, tired and ready to for a break, Edison was ready to have his bulb carry up the stairs. You know what he did? He gave it to the same young boy who dropped it the first time. And that's trust. That's a second chance. That is redemption. So have you felt that there was a mistake that you made on your journey of life or faith? Where you were forgiving and shown love. What does forgiveness and love look like to you? What does forgiveness and love look for you? How did it change you when you were given a second chance? You know, we sometimes close off opportunities for healed relationships because we hold grudges. So why is that? Think of a time when we 
deny God in our poor treatment of another or our unwillingness to give others a second chance. Think of the times you have not been able to forgive because you're holding grudges in your heart. Someone has wronged you. Someone has wounded you. Irritated you. Infuriated you. You name it. What is your reaction when that happens? Do you hold a grudge? Do you think the person deserves some kind of retribution? Maybe that's how Peter felt. Maybe Peter felt that he betrayed Jesus by denying him three separate times the night Jesus was arrested. In his mind and heart, he thought Jesus was disappointed. He felt Jesus maybe was discouraged because of his actions. You see, Peter was asked three times if he was part of a group of Jesus' disciples. And the three times he denied he was part of that group. Each time, it went in crescendo. The first one, he was like, no, I wasn't part of that group. Why? Right? There was a sense of fear. The second time, somebody identify him as part of the disciples he said no I was not there you're mistaking me so he's raising his voice right so the fear and the anxiety is taking his heart and then the last time he says I was not part of them there was anger and there comes the denial you see denial could be described as self-protection it is a result of some personal and distorted estimation of one's view of reality. And at the moment, the denier is wanting to protect himself for the person's views to be in imminent danger. It's instinct, fear, and flight take over. It was Sigmund Freud who first diagnosed it as a self-defense mechanism, but it was his daughter, Anna, who is to be credited for the research of denial. She postulated that it was the result of an immature mind with no ability to cope with reality. This is exactly true with Peter. He could not say what he had in his mind because he had no ability to cope with the reality of the situation before him. It was a strong and hurtful reality. Jesus was arrested. The disciples scattered, fearing for their lives, including Peter's life. So there was fear in his heart. There was anxiety in his heart. There was discouragement in his heart. So when he was identifying, he protected himself with denial. Because all he was thinking is Jesus is going to be arrested. Jesus is going to be crucified. They're going to kill me. They're going to kill us all. So all he said was, no, I was not there. I was not part of that group. It wasn't me. So Peter stood there in that plaza around a charcoal fire and denied Jesus. You know the story, right? We remember that the rooster sang because that was Jesus told Peter. He abandoned his best friend in his darkest moment. So how can you recover from that? Now the beauty of the story that we read today is that despite this lack of faithfulness and friendship, Jesus still invites Peter 
into discipleship. In fact, it is the risen Christ that meets Peter and the other disciples with a gesture of companionship and abundance. Fish and a breakfast. If you sit down later this week and read John chapter 21, you will see from verse 1 to 14 that story. So there, around another charcoal fire, now with the risen Jesus, around a fire and a breakfast meal, healing begins. Not only for Peter, but for the disciples. You know, there's a quote from Ron Swanson, the character of the series Park and Recreation, that says, there never been a sadness that can be cured by breakfast food. And I was watching a series that Yaya and I enjoy, which is Station 19. There are a group of firefighters, and one of them is saying, oh, I enjoy breakfast a lot. I think it's the best meal. And after a horrible day at work, they decided to have breakfast for dinner. And they sat together, and that was a time of peace and healing. So in that breakfast meal with Jesus, there was healing from sadness, redemption, forgiveness, and restoration was serve. Jesus forgives Peter and says, go and feed my sheep. In other words, be the good shepherd like I am to you. You see, Peter's imperfect love for Jesus does not seem to change Jesus's unchanging love for Peter or God's love for imperfect humanity. And that is the definition of God's love. That is forgiveness. We are imperfect. We are going to commit mistakes. We are going to deny. Sometimes maybe if we are in a difficult situation, we might even deny that we love God. But no matter how imperfect humanity is, God's unchanging love for us is there. And that is love. That is forgiveness. What God does for you and for me. Forgiveness allows us to journey from the moments where we deny Jesus or make other big relationship harming mistakes to reconciliation with God and renew faithfulness. The gospel of John chapter 20 verse 22, Jesus says that if you forgive someone else's sin, they are forgiven through the Holy Spirit. So our forgiveness allows the power of God to move and change and reconcile. The power of Jesus' forgiveness is evident in the willingness to feed Peter and address him as a friend. Even after Peter's denial. Now there's something also interesting is that in our passage that we read today. It shows us another side of forgiveness. You see, Jesus calls and empowers Peter to a change and renew life of servant leadership. So not only is Peter forgiven, but now he's invited to feed and tend to Jesus' own sheep, to be a shepherd to a flock. You see, often we think of forgiveness as the solution to a problem, but this passage shows us forgiveness as a first step, 
a foundation that frees Peter for a life of faith and key leadership role in the early church. So God not only promises us reconciliation, which is a healed relationship through forgiveness, but also God promises us redemption, which is a changed life through the Holy Spirit in which we actively participate. That holy conversation between Jesus and Peter was a cleansing moment. It was a time of redemptive healing. It was an example of what true love, of what true love entails, which is forgiveness. There had to be another opportunity offered where Peter would not fail a second time. Feed my sheep. You see, Jesus, in dealing with Peter, doesn't take Peter's word for it. He wants action. He wants a response from Peter. Some positive certainty that the message has been heard and understood. And what Christ asks of Peter, it is also asked of you and me. Put your love into action. Make it work. Make it real. Make it felt. Live it out. Experience it. Love other people. Serve other people. See how it is being experienced in the lives of others. That is the invitation of Jesus when he tells Peter, feed my sheep. Because Christ cares about others and now expects, expects his disciples to do the same. So Christ teaches Peter how to love someone by moving beyond the past. Jesus didn't ask Peter the question three times, do you love me? Because Christ didn't believe in Peter's love. No, Christ asked Peter to answer three times so Peter could hear his own answer and begin once again to believe that he indeed did love Jesus. His responses, each one became the means of his own healing. Then, after listening each time that he loved Jesus, Peter will be free to let go his self-doubt, his shame, his guilt, and forgive himself. Peter was able to rise strong from denial because he was able to heal himself from that moment by realizing that he still loved Jesus. You know, it is often easier to forgive someone else than it is easy to forgive ourselves. You see, Peter's denial of Jesus does not define him. It never did. And long before Jesus' death and resurrection, he called Peter the rock upon which he will build the church. And in our passage, we see Jesus commissioning Peter to be this rock. As we look ahead, maybe in, later on, if you can sit down and read the book of Acts in chapter 15, you can see Peter living in his strength as this rock of the church. So I ask you today, church. 
How often we let our mistakes define us or derail us from living the lives we were made for? How might the example of Peter, who accepted the full power of Jesus' forgiveness to move forward in following God's call on his life, inspire us? Maybe it's inspiring us to, again, listen to the words of forgiveness. Maybe it's inspiring us to forgive ourselves. To think about the first step in moving towards this. Maybe it's inviting you to find new ways to love like Jesus did. To love both others and yourself. There's a story in the book Peace Catalyst, Resolving Conflicts in Our Community. The author Rick Love shares his story and he says that as a young pastor, he wanted to pray for Gene, who had been sick in bed for about a week. So he took Mike, fellow leader in the church, to Jean's home. Her husband, Jim, greeted us at the door and invited us into their bedroom and Jean had been bedridden for days and was barely able to walk. She looked miserable, he writes. And he said that they began praying fervently for God's healing. And they pleaded with God to restore her health. And after some minutes of prayer, they saw nothing that was happening. And Jean was still there bedridden. And they took a time of silence just to listen to God's word. And the author writes that he sensed that the Lord was saying to him that as Jean, she has harbored unforgiveness in her heart. So the author says, I kneeled beside the bed and said, Jean, do you need to forgive someone who hurt you? Are you holding a grudge? And Jean's eyes got wet with tears. There, beside her, she was bedridden. They had a moment of prayer. Had a moment of confession. She prayed that she wanted to make amends with the person. With the person who sinned against her. She promised to forgive the person who hurted her. The story says that after a couple of minutes, Jean got out of bed, washed her face, sat down in a chair, and together with her pastor, they rejoiced over God's forgiveness and healing. It was pain that was hurting her heart you see sharing forgiveness is very hard enough doesn't always happen right away it is a process but the first step to rise from denial is to admit our pain when Jean admitted what she had in her heart was pain that was the first step for her to feel better. You know, offices always cause pain. 
our pride makes us deny it. It allows us to build resentment and bitterness. And denying pain keeps us from starting on the path to forgiveness, a path of experiencing God's love and peace. So to rise strong from denial, maybe the first step you can take today is to acknowledge the pain in your heart and pray that the Holy Spirit guides you to a time of healing and forgiveness. That the Holy Spirit can guide you to that sense of freedom, a freedom that you will find for you and for others in the act of forgiveness. Often, all we need to do is to be aware of the mistake and to pray to God. Maybe you can pray with a trusted friend of faith who will remind you that you are forgiven. Like Jesus called Peter to feed and tend his sheep. If he truly loved him, what action might Jesus be calling you to take in order to fully embrace and embody your forgiveness? World in our world and community today, do we need to see forgiveness and second chances? What would that grace of giving a second chance enable us to become? What would it look like if we serve Jesus by forgiving others? You see, forgiveness is a choice. And every human being has a deep, a deep sometimes hidden desire to be forgiven. I close out with this story. Ernest Hemingway's short story about the broken relationship between a Spanish father and his teenage son, Paco, highlights the desire of people to be forgiven. Paco ran away from his home to Madrid, and his grieving father looked everywhere for him. In desperation, the father placed an ad in the Madrid newspaper that read, Dear Paco, Meet me in front of the newspaper office tomorrow at noon. All is forgiven. I love you. The next morning, 800 hopeful men named Paco were standing in front of the newspaper office. You might laugh, but this story almost made me cry. Because there were 800 men that were looking for forgiveness. And only one was being called for on that time. Makes me think of all the people that we know. That we probably know better than any other else. And they have grudge. They have resentment. Or they're just waiting for someone to say, I forgive you. So as we, the church, continue our journey ahead, let us remember that during this Easter season, we can experience God's love for us. And we can give the gift of love, God's love for others as we care. 
as we tell people, all is forgiven. As we help others rise from denial, from their doubts, their fears, their shame, and their guilt. As we invite others to wrap up in the care of God's compelling love. We are invited just as Peter to feed the sheep. Which is none other thing than to serve. To serve our neighbor. To listen. To care. To love. To extend forgiveness. God never lets go of us. He never gives up on us. So we can also continue on and not give up. Because there is forgiveness and caring and healing in God's love for us. And we have this witness. Christ extended his love to a man who had denied him three times. And for us, we have an empty cross that shows us once again how far God will go to say, yes, I love you. Yes, you are forgiven. Yes, you are my child. Yes, I love you. So with that in mind, church, let us go into the world to love others and forgive. Amen? Amen.